This episode of Ghost Stories is brought to you by Satrix, the leading provider of index tracking solutions in South Africa and a proud partner of Ghostmail. With no minimums and easy, low-cost access to local and global products via the Satrix Now online investment platform, everyone can own the market. Visit satrix.co.za for more information. Welcome to this episode of the Ghost Stories podcast. I'm here with Sia Bulela Namoyi of Satrix, a returning guest and part of the broader Satrix partnership this year that I think has delivered us a lot of really cool content. I've certainly learned a lot. Everything from China, which was the first uh, podcast we did, Sia, all the way through to stuff like cognitive bias and investing for kids and all kinds of things in between. There's really a great series of Satrix podcasts. I recommend you go check them out under the Ghost Stories banner. But Sia, we're going to talk about something completely different today, nothing to do with China at all. And uh, we're going to be talking about fixed income ETFs as opposed to just equity ETFs, which I think is what people are more familiar with. Yeah, great to, to chat to you again, uh, Mr. Ghost. I'm always a pleasure to being invited to your platform and discuss some of these important um, investment uh, concepts that I think investors really need to to understand so that they can actually make sound investment decisions. So great to be here. And it's good to actually that chat about another asset class that people probably are not as familiar um, when you compare it to equities. So we can chat about that. I'm, I'm so glad to actually have this chat about it. Yeah, it's good to have you here. So, you know, everyone, well, hopefully everyone knows what an ETF is. If you don't, it's an exchange traded fund and it normally tracks an index. And most people understand that to mean an equity index. You know, the classic story is the top 40. You know, you can't always get index data on a system, but if you ever want to see how the top 40 has performed this year, you can just go and pull up the Satrix 40. It's a listed tradable instrument, you know, and you can go and see how the index is done. There are many, many Satrix products tracking all kinds of indices. But the one that, you know, people just don't talk about really is the fixed income side. I mean, is that your experience as well? Do you find that most retail investors pretty much just look at equity ETFs they either don't know about or don't understand some of the others. Yeah, so I, I think the short answer is yes. And I think some of the, the reasons behind that is that um, the education behind investing for retailers. So most of the time, whether it be a blog or a video conference or um, and even a simple exam example in, in, um, in a lecture. So the prime example that is being used will be investing in ETFs would be an equity ETF. That asset class is quite familiar to investors. It's like, it's like it's like me growing up in a small town like my hometown in Grahamstown where I was a kid and I, I thought the best car that I, I had ever, ever seen in front of me was the 2004 Mitsubishi Pajero. <laughs> so that so that registered to me as the best car ever because that, that is what I was exposed to, you know, um, in my neighborhood. So investors would, would rather invest in familiar grounds if you if you get what I'm saying. And and also remember, when people talk about investing on their own, they, they, they talk about uh, investing in stocks. So no other asset class outside that. So it's quite a, it's quite a natural way of moving from stock individual stock investing to actually gravitate towards equity ETFs when you start investing in ETFs. Even when I chat to people and they ask me what ETFs I hold, when I, when I mention that I also have government nominal bonds or inflation-linked bonds, it's, it's, a, it's a foreign concept. But, but factually, I mean, as well, Ghost, when we look at uh, some of the trading platforms like Easy Equities or our Cetrix Now stats, I mean, our top five traded Cetrix ETFs year-to-date, whether being bought or sold, though you are looking at the top 40 that you've just mentioned, 
um, our Cetrix sector ETFs and some of them and some of the foreign equity ETFs as well. And when you look at the top 15 bought and the top 15 sold, only the Cetrix money market ETF actually makes the list. But the rest of all of those ETFs are, are the foreign and local equity ETFs. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I love your car analogy. It, it, it's a great, great analogy, right? It's all about what people are exposed to. And that's what we're trying to do in Ghost Mail and Ghost Stories is actually increase that exposure. I think one of the problems is the language that people use. So investing, people think is always equities. And then they talk about saving and they think that means a bank account. You can invest in a fixed income bank account. <laughs> if your bank account is paying you 8% a year, guys, that's an investment. That's not just saving. So for some reason, the way people talk, it's almost like the word investment means risk. Now, bonds also have risk and we'll talk about that. But that's almost the way that people think about this. And the other thing is we use the word bond in South Africa to mean, you know, the debt on your house. And I think people don't understand what bonds are, what role they actually play. So maybe, maybe we need to actually start this year. You know, what is a bond? <laughs> because the Satrix bond ETF is definitely not a collection of people's home loans. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, so definitely we need to start there so that people can actually understand what bonds are. Apart from the fact that they, they are considered uh, as, a, as a very important asset class for investors, they're actually seen as, uh, as diversifiers from a traditional equity market, for instance. So a bond is, is, is considered less risky than the stock market and it provides uh, a fixed predictable income stream for the investors in, in the form of coupons and all of that. So there will be an instrument which, let's say, has a, a fixed uh, period of actually of that investment. So let's say the government wants to spend money on infrastructure. They want to build roads, but they want to push in money as, as, as a form of investment from outside um, of their budget. So they'll say, okay, we are having this instrument where you can give us 20 million rands and in the in the next 20 years we're going to give you an, an income stream of coupons every year let's say i don't know 10 11 of the amount that you've given us and then at the end of the of the period we'll give you your money back so that instrument is actually formed but what usually happens now is that a lot of things can actually happen between now and 20 years so there's a lot of um, bonds which have different maturities, yields and coupons and, and, and the income and all those things. So there's actually a secondary market that actually um, comes up where there's buys and, uh, and sales of these instruments in between. So that forms the secondary market where now the JSE comes in in terms of the listing of these instruments and people can actually buy them through indices like the, the Cetrix Bond um, ETF or the Unit Trust. So these things are known as fixed income instruments and we definitely need to talk about that and just make sure people understand it. So you know, what that means basically is the bond is going to pay, as you, as you said, a coupon. Now, normally it's a fixed coupon. It can get fancier than that. It can be inflation linked. We'll deal with that later. But the point is it's usually a fixed RAND coupon. Now, what happens is the bond trades at a specific yield. And if you've heard terminology like the yield curve, an inverted yield curve, a shape in the yield curve, a steepening yield curve, you would have seen and heard this stuff before. You know, it's quite complicated, but basically those different maturities have got different yields. And generally speaking, the yield is higher the longer dated the bond is. You get rewarded for effectively taking more risk. And, you know, there's no ways we can teach bonds in a half an hour podcast, but basically a longer dated bond is, generally speaking, more sensitive to changes in interest rates, right? 
And the point is the capital value, and this is what I wanted to get to, is the coupon of the bond is fixed in Rand, not in percentages. So what happens is the bond trades at a specific capital amount based on the yield that the market wants from it. So in other words, the capital value of your bond can change even if the amount you received as a coupon is the same. So see, I guess the point here is if someone's buying a 10% yielding 10-year bond, the only way your return is definitely going to be 10% is if you hold that bond to maturity, right? If you're planning to trade it before then, then you can have capital gains on it. You can also have capital yeah. losses. So, and, and, and most of the time, people actually don't hold it to maturity. And, and that's the capital risk when it comes to bonds, and 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 the risk is higher actually when there's there's um, any volatility in the in the rates. Um, I don't know if you want us to actually go into that. Yeah, I think we sh I think we should. Yeah. More volatile rates equal. Yeah, I yeah. think we should. I think it's important in understanding these these instruments. Yes. They're not simple. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people don't invest in. Exactly, them. exactly. There's there's quite a lot of terminology to actually understand. Um, and a lot of things can actually be moving under your feet <laughs> while you're investing in them. But unfortunately, the ghost risk is, is 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 part of any investment that you make. Bonds also have some risk associated with them. A lot of people do believe that bonds don't actually carry much risk. Uh, those who have uh, seen them, let me actually stick to the fixed income part because I like what you are saying that bonds that the, the name bond is actually associated in South Africa with uh, property. Bonds. So fixed income actually don't don't carry much risk. People believe that, um, especially that you are given a fixed term to actually get your principal back, uh, and there's a predetermined period of receiving your coupons. You know, so maybe just to try and and and, and explain the, the the concept again is how how do you want to look at the relationship between the the yield of the bond and also and how these are actually evaluated throughout the, your term. So let's say, let's say, Ghost, you, let's start with the fact that bonds are actually a tradable debt instrument, right? Um, and, and using a very simple example, let's say, as I mentioned, the government issues a 30-year bond with a 11% coupon, for argument's sake, and it, it's, it, it's been trading, but um, you also want to actually buy into this. So um, and I think there's been a, quite a lot of word or a lot of news about people um, just using this as an example, um, soccer players going to, to, to the Saudi league because there's quite a lot of money to actually trade these players. So let's just say you, you Mr. Ghost, have actually got 10 million rands because you've been signed to the Saudi league um, and you want to actually trade um, these bonds. So you've got 10 million rands sitting around in your, in your bank account. So you have to actually lend your money to the government, right, in exchange for bond uh, predetermined coupon of 11 year, 11% per year. Uh, so that be your yield, and then at maturity in 30 years, you will get your 10, 10 million back. Now, 30 years is a long time, you know. So many things actually happen between now and 30 years, like 2053 or something. And now, one of those things that, is that the party that has has to pay back the money defaults on the payments. When there's a lot of risks um, involved from the counterparty, like political risk, let's say if you're talking about a country, so the credit worthiness actually comes in now for that country and or a corporate that can swing between being a darling of the market like ShopRite to being a transaction capital and so the risk is actually dialed up in order for investors to actually um, lend any money to that government or corporate which don't have the most favorable credit risk or they've, they've got they're much riskier than any other um, area they need to actually promise more much more higher yields so 
that actually also plays into how much yield is being paid by the, the counterparty which has been um, lending the money as well. Yeah, you make a really good point there, which is you are lending money to the government or to a corporate, right? So corporates also issue bonds all the time, actually. To be honest, on the JSE, probably the more vibrant market recently in terms of new listings has been the debt market. So the equity market's been you know, shrinking, let's be honest, in terms of the number of listings, not the value. And uh, the debt market has been quite vibrant. You know, when you see companies registering things like domestic medium term debt programs and or note programs and all of that kind of thing, you know, that's fixed income. And then you often have life insurance houses invested in that, banks invested in that, people trying to manage their asset liability matching, actually get a better yield, etc. It, it all gets very complicated. It's a whole nother area of finance that people, you know, people think investing means equities. It really, really doesn't. There's so much more to it than that. So for example, I've got the latest fund fact sheet open now for the Satrix SA bond ETF. And it's really interesting to see, you know, in this case, it's the SA bond ETF. So it's all Republic of South Africa government bonds. And there's a mix ranging or based on the different maturities, right? And the different yields. So that's really what this comes down to is trying to get it right in terms of the different maturities, the different risks involved. As you said, the longer dated bonds have greater exposure to changes in interest rates. The capital value tends to change more. It's called bond duration and it's a measure of sensitivity ultimately. But the thing to understand really is that the capital value of the bond can change based on the yield. And it's an inverse relationship. So, you know, if the SA government defaults, that would be an extreme example. Or if they just become riskier, which seems to unfortunately be, you know, the usual case, then what ends up happening is the required rate on the bond goes up. The market demands a bigger return on South African government bonds. It actually makes it more expensive for our government to borrow money, which doesn't do our, you know, fiscal budget any favors, but that's a different problem. And the point is then the capital value of the bonds that have already been issued goes down because the yield has gone up. Those coupons are fixed, the ones that already exist. But people demand a higher yield and so they are prepared to pay less for that stream of cash flows and the capital value of the bond can then go down. Now, conversely, where you know the government is starting to do some of the right things or maybe there's a bit of a risk on approach in global markets and people are a little bit more comfortable with emerging markets, if the yield goes down, the capital value of the bond goes up. And that's how you can end up with a capital gain on these things. So it's a complicated area of investing. And I guess it begs the question, you know, why do people include these things in a portfolio? Arguably, why should you think about including them in a portfolio? And, and bef you know, just before I let you answer that, people might be familiar with concepts like the 60-40 portfolio, or they might have spoken to their financial advisor about this stuff. Generally speaking, if your money is being professionally managed for you, especially as you get closer to retirement, there's a very good chance that you have fixed income instruments in your portfolio right now, even if you don't actually realize it, if you're invested in balanced funds, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, it's funny that you, you mentioned the 60-40 um, investment strategy. That's, that's exactly that was, what I was thinking. There's quite a, a few reasons why anyone should actually consider bonds, and they, they play quite a, a big role in terms of their, the exposure that you get in your investment portfolio, which is why they are the second most biggest asset class behind equities. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but uh, that's what I think. Um, and I mean, every even... The very old 60-40 investment strategy that you just mentioned is an equity and bond split. So um, it's it's a 
they're considered very important in the investment world. So, so bonds actually provide provide a, um, exposure which actually can diversify your portfolio away from um, from much riskier assets like foreign equity stocks or just local um, equities. So that that provides that diversification in your portfolio. They also provide a steady source of income. I mean, we've spoken about coupons or yield. Why they actually provide a bit of a of a cushion when there's economic downturns. So some would argue that there are already some ETFs that actually provide a steady stream of income, which I, I agree. I mean, prime example would be the Cetrix DV+, which can give you a dividend yield of around 13% in a year. A great income, right? But um, have you also considered, if, if you're holding this, have you also considered the fact that what's happening in your capital as well? Because remember, you are both experiencing the income on, the, on one hand um, from the dividend, but there's also a capital risk experience in your investment um, where your money is primarily invested in the stocks that are, are paying out these dividends. So, um, and and I think yesterday, yeah, I posted uh, <laughs> on my Twitter page the top 10, I think, ETFs around the world which are considered as um, dividend uh, yield ETFs. And I was looking at the Russian one, which was came out to, to 2,000 and something percent dividend yield. And the fact that <laughs> you can see that there's, there's good dividends coming out, but that means because how the yield is calculated is taking the coupons and divided by the latest closing price of the ETF or something. That means that there's something has happened to the actual price, which is dividing, which means it's gone down quite a lot. So you would have experienced some good income, but your capital have been uh, has tanked quite a lot. So um, because and coming back to the example again for the Cetrix DV, so in the same year, you would have had a 13% dividend payout. On your capital, you, you would experience a drawdown in that index. Listed properties have done exactly the same here in South Africa, where you still gave, they gave you some good good um, yields, but had poor price returns in the last while. Now, guess who where you would actually have gotten almost the same yield um, in ten, for your income uh, with a far less capital loss in the same period? If you'd invested in the Citrix SA bond ETF, you would have gotten 13% coupon payout, but you wouldn't have experienced drawdowns in the last 12, 12 months for your for your capital. So, so, so bonds definitely provide some form of diversification in your portfolio and the and the steady stream of income. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. So yes, absolutely. In the Citrix Divi, what ends up happening quite often is uh, big mining houses end up having an over overweight position in that in that ETF, particularly at the top of the cycle. So you end up with these extraordinary trailing yields and it looks amazing, but uh, you almost wish you could map with certainty the forward yield. But of course, that requires a crystal ball, right? Um, so yeah, it's a trailing yield. And you've also touched on property there, which is, is really interesting because property in so many ways actually behaves like a government bond. In fact, people say it's kind of a hybrid of government bonds and equity in terms of how it behaves in a portfolio. And you know, in Ghostmail, for example, I've often been writing about how the valuations on property funds, the NAV, so the actual value of the underlying properties all added together, generally speaking, has been going sideways because the required yield by investors is going up. So even though they're managing to increase their rentals and they actually manage to increase the income from the property, that's why it's different to a bond. It's not fixed income. The income should grow. But because people demand a higher required rate of return, the property value might not necessarily grow. So yes, you might have a growing dividend if you're lucky and if they don't have too much debt in this interest rate environment. 
But the capital value may not necessarily do what you're hoping it will do. You know, so property is this very interesting hybrid. Fixed income is a little bit different to that. And then equity obviously writes on the other side. You know, dividend yields are, are tricky things. And, and a company can very easily pay you a great yield and experience a big capital loss. You're absolutely right. I mean, I had a look now on the, again, that government bond ETF. So over the last 10 years, highest annual return, 13.3%. So that was probably recent. Lowest annual return, 0.9%. So not a single negative year at all in the last 10 years. And that right there is why people use bonds in balanced portfolios. Because in a year where your equity investments are doing 15%, great, that's lovely. There are also years where equity does minus five <laughs> or worse. You know? And the point is this smooths out the returns over time and improves the risk reward characteristics of the portfolio and that's why people use it closer to retirement right it's because of that smoothing effect if you're a few years from retirement that is not the time to be yoloing all your money into u.s tech stocks it's just not the time you know yes you might get fabulously lucky you might also take a 50 percent bath and then you know so much for that retirement plan yeah um no absolutely and i think yes it's important to actually understand this concept but at the same time just a thought that just came into my mind now while you're speaking, um, Ghost, is that, I mean, there's quite a lot of complexity in terms of the investing in bonds and also understanding what, what, what's going on in terms of the, uh, the concepts around them and what affects them. I mean, even, even so, I mean, investing in index trackers has, has helped quite a lot because some of these bond instruments as an individual it might be quite a, a daunting task to actually select which bond to actually invest in, considering the yield, maturity, credit worth. And investing directly in government bonds, for instance, can require a massive minimum requirement. Um, I think $10 million if you go directly to Treasury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, whereas Yeah, your only option is those retail savings bonds, yes, right? But then, yeah. I think, but then I think your money is tied up, yes, unlike exactly. a tradable ETF. Exactly, exactly. Because I, I was also going to touch that, that. Whereas if you invest into retail bonds, you probably need like a, a minimum a, a thousand rands. I, I can't remember the, the, the value, but you are you, there's a fixed term there. You can't get out. And then when you when you buy into bond ETFs through a platform like Cetrix now, there are no minimums. You can literally deposit your last 19 rands <laughs> that's left in your bank account before your next payday. So And you can come in and out. I mean, on our side at Cetrix, we believe diversification of assets for your overall portfolio investment is good but when it comes to bonds we also believe in the diversification of the duration risk to harvest as much yield as possible which is what our bond ETFs um, which we've mentioned now when you're looking at the um, historical uh, returns um, and you also our unit trusts they provide this cushion in terms of risk but at the same time there's this possibility of having this income stream and then when it comes to competitors um, launching new funds they promise even higher yields in this space so they would have packed up the funds with uh, debt instruments which sit on the long end of the yield curve which have um, higher duration risk as as we mentioned at the um, previously. So therefore, you, you actually put your investment capital at a much higher risk of loss um, while there's this promise of very, very good yield on, your, on the instrument. So on these portfolios, which uh, have these 
high yield promises. I mean, you won't get Steffi plus 1% without any undue capital risk going forward, unfortunately. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So I just checked on the on the retail bonds website. So you're absolutely right. It's a thousand bucks minimum. And uh, you can withdraw after 12 months if you go and submit documents and, 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 and then, yeah, good luck. I mean, I, retail saving bonds is a good product. Don't get me wrong at all. But, you know, the good thing is this is tradable. The ETF is tradable. You have liquidity and liquidity is your friend. Always, always, always liquidity is your friend. Um, if you've ever had a big emergency or major change in your life, you will understand how important liquidity actually is. I see there are also a couple of other Satrix fixed income products. So I could find the, the local bond ETF. Then there's an inflation linked bond. Might be worth spending a few moments on that. And then there's a global bond as well that's tracking a, a global index. And it seems like that has got some corporate debt in it as well, not just government debt. So maybe let's start there. And then it's worth touching, I think, on the inflation linked bond. So, um, yes, so we've got a couple of products. I mean, if you are a client or potential client that you want to actually invest in bonds, for our products, you, you can go to the Citrix Now platform and buy into and get exposure to SA government bonds using the Citrix Gavi ETF and the Citrix local bond unit trust funds are also available for investors. You can also invest in inflation-linked bonds where um, investor can actually use the Citrix ILBI um, ETF. Um, another way to actually invest in bonds is through the Citrix balance funds where I think that's one other topic which is quite important in the investment world where people actually need to consider balance funds and there's very good reason for that. Um, but since it's a mix, it's a mixture of asset classes, bonds actually form part of that. Uh, so they're in there. And then for the global bond exposure, investors can actually utilize what you've just mentioned now, which is the global bond ETF, which tracks the Bloomberg Barclays global aggregate. So that index, if I remember correctly, there's about... Uh, close to 9,000 instruments in that. There's absolutely no way you can actually do that on your own, going buying those bonds individually. So this um, the this ETF actually tracks and holds these instruments in one in one um, ETF through iShares, and it holds a mix of, of government bonds internationally, and also um, there's also corporate bonds as well in there. Um, so it's a mixture of 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 these different kinds of bonds in terms of maturity and also um, the credit risk involved in there. So it can provide quite a lot of, of diversification in terms of where you want to go. And also the inflation-linked bonds as well, which are a bit different from the nominal bonds because there you're trying to, to make sure that your investments are, um, are protected when um, there is quite a, a, a volatility in terms of inflation because the, the thing is that um, apart from interest rate risk, which... We've, I think we've, talk, we've talked about creditworthiness and some liquidity risk as well that you face with bonds. It's it, inflation is the is the worst enemy in terms in terms of bonds. Um, this is mainly because central banks deal with inflation um, that is out of control. Quite recently, we saw that by using interest rates. So we saw the last while since November 2021, um, the MPC coming through and raising rates on every single announcement and all in the name of combating skyrocketing inflation rates. So now the issue where the issue there is that bonds have an inverse relationship with interest rates. So as I mentioned before that your, your capital is at risk when interest rates are hiked because you, you, you will lose on your on your on your on your capital when you sell your bond with your lower yielding coupons. 
The bonds purchasing uh, power is actually eroded by the rise of inflation as they are fixed rated um, instruments. For, so, so, so for any fixed income investment, its yield does not um, change for the, for the agreement. So that means that um, the real um, return that you get from your, from your real, I mean, you, your total return minus the inflation. So the more um, volatile your inflation, you'll see it, it skyrockets, the more it eats into your real um, return that you get. Inflation becomes a problem when it rises because the real yield now is reduced. So they become less attractive to investors. This then makes their prices to fall as, as investors are keen to sell off their low-yielding yield, fixed income products to actually look for better invest, uh, investments during the inflationary times. So inflation is, is quite a big problem when it comes to bonds. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting stuff. So one of the last things I just want to touch on is, again, I went and now downloaded the fact sheet on the inflation-linked bond, the global bond. So whenever you're looking at these fact sheets, you also need to just check when this product was actually launched. So, you know, the SA government bond one has been around a long time. The inflation-linked ETF, I see that was launched 2017. So there's quite a good track record there. The global one is a lot more recent, August 2020, straight into the fire, as it were. Um, so there, it's, it's achieved amazing returns since then, over 21% as its highest annual. But obviously, that's been a very crazy time in the world. You know, don't assume that thing's going to give you 21 a year because it's definitely not going to do that. Um, interestingly enough, on the inflation-linked bonds, the highest annual return, 13.95, so only slightly higher than on the more simple government bond one, but the lowest annual return, minus 3.3, whereas the what I'd call the simple bonds um, have not returned a negative year over the last 10. So, yeah, just very interesting to compare, and, and, and it really is a great area for people to actually dig into and just understand more about. And the last thing I wanted to ask you, Sia, because we're pretty much out of time, is just can you buy these things in your tax-free savings account because if you can these things are paying out i mean the yield that comes out of this is interest for tax right so if you're doing this in a tax-free savings account you're paying absolutely no interest whatsoever uh, or rather you're paying absolutely no tax whatsoever on the yield that comes out of this etf very good point but before i get to that i think it's very important that um because bonds bond funds are actually generally generally categorized as, as low to to medium risk they can suit investors who are risk averse. In other words, investors who want to plow their money in, in, in less volatile asset classes. I mean, we've touched on that while well, they, they want a steady income distribution, right? So I wouldn't think anyone should consider it for a short-term investment. I mean, if you want your money next year, January, we can go back to what you were talking about at the beginning of this uh, of this recording is, is um, you put your money in a, in a, in a fixed um bank deposit so where you get better rates there so one or two years uh, i wouldn't consider them so i would say if you should cons if you want to invest three to five years then you look at bonds and then coming into the tax-free savings uh, yes so remember tax-free savings um tfsa for short has has no tax on your local income so whether it's dividends the coupons interest that comes into your your tax-free savings account it won't be taxed so, in fact, the, the most efficient way to actually use your tax-free savings is considering to push more of your income-generating products to sit in it um, rather than having them in, in, in any other direct investment platform. So bonds, REITs are better to actually hold in your, in your tax-free savings um, account. So if you have bonds and you put them in your tax-free uh, savings account, the, the yield that you get paid on won't be taxed. Yeah, makes sense. And I use REITs as well in my tax-free savings for exactly that reason, because the dividend that comes out of a property REIT 
It's basically just a conduit. You're actually effectively receiving income. It's as though you rented the property out yourself. So in your tax-free savings, once again, very, very efficient. So yeah, I think this has been such a great podcast on a topic that no one talks about ever. So thank you. I think we've shone a bit of a light on these fixed income products. And I'm well, I would hope we've piqued the interest of, of listeners. Uh, they can obviously go to the Satrix website, I guess, to just find out more. You can invest through the Satrix Now platform, as we've talked about many times uh, in Ghostmail. Otherwise, if you just want to buy the thing, you can go and find it listed on the market. That's the beauty of an ETF. But um, yeah, I guess Satrix website, that's where people should go. Go and read the minimum disclosure documents, and then they can uh, annoy you on Twitter with questions. <laughs> yeah, no. All good. Uh, I accept the questions anytime. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it was great talking about uh, a product that many people actually don't understand and also don't consider some sometimes. So I hope this has educated them. Fantastic, Sia. Thank you so very much. Really appreciate it. To our listeners, listen out for the next Satrix podcast and go back and check out the ones that are already in the library. There's a lot to learn.